We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. We are recording here on Tuesday, ahead of Week 5, and the Chicago Bears will enter their Week 5 matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 3-1. That's because they lost a tough Week 4 battle against the Indianapolis Colts. We're here to break that down and preview the Week 5 matchup for you. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, first podcast of the year coming off a Bears loss. Yeah, I mean... It was bound to happen. I, you know, it's, it's one of the, they're still three and one. They still got a chance to go four and one. And I think that's kind of a big thing right now, right? It is like the bears started off three and one last year and they start off three and one in 2016, or 2018. I'm sorry. So it's now we're going to see what direction this team's going to go into. And historically speaking, at least since the nineties, when you're looking at odds, the difference between four and one and three and two is well over 30% in terms of chances of making the playoffs. If you go four and one, you're going to be in good shape. And especially when you look at the bear schedule, not saying Carolina is going to be a walkover game by any means, but that's a very winnable game in a, in a tough stretch. So yeah, it's disappointing. Uh, I think it, you know, when you, anybody who watched that Colts game, uh, Bears never really stood much of a chance, man. That offense just it, – it's, you know, uh, different quarterback, same issue. And, obviously, I'm sure everybody's going to have different opinions on that. And, you know, obvi- it's, it's one game. We'll see what happens. But I think it just kind of goes as a reminder, and this is something that we've talked about before too, is it doesn't really – you know, to a certain extent, it doesn't matter who's starting at quarterback for the Bears because the reality of it is neither one of these guys are long – neither neither one of these guys are the long-term answer at quarterback and 
you know, if anything, we at least get to see what Foles is going to do. And, you know, judgment wise, I mean, we can basically say one way or another when this is all said and done after this season, either Ryan Pace made the right decision or he didn't based on familiarity and at least going in his first game. I mean, he looked bad and there's just no other way around that. But again, it's, I think it's also key to remember that the Colts were the number one rated DVOA defense from football outsiders. So I I think that's definitely worth keeping in mind because this was the first real good defense that the bears faced all year. And we see that there's issues and that there's, there's, there was a lot of reverting from Matt Nagy going back to 2019 and their struggles with the run game and the play calling and not going down the field and all the issues that they're having now is gut check time. I mean, we face the same thing, uh, you know, covering this team, watching the team in 2018, we face the same thing in 2019, seeing this team, you know, when they, when they kind of get down on themselves or, you know, after a loss, now we're going to see what this team is really about. And they talked about washing away 2019 and they want to kind of get back to what 2018 was. Well, guess what? You're on a short week. You're going in, you know, you're going to stay in Chicago and you're playing Tom Brady, who's five and zero against you and a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team who's three and one that's playing really good football. This is a time to make a statement. Yeah, I'm with you. This week just feels like a big turning point for the season. And the way I look at it is you're three and one, you faced a really good defense in Indianapolis and now you're facing another good defense in Tampa Bay, but you're also facing a really good offense, probably the best offense you've faced so far to date. And things are going to go one of two ways here. I mean, the bears could lose here on Thursday and it just kind of snowballs because Carolina and in Los Angeles are no pushovers. I mean, those are two games that could go either way for the bears, both on the road. Um, or, you know, you could win the game or, or you could win the game and build some momentum. Or I look at it this way. You could probably, you know, play the Buccaneers close. Maybe you lose a tight game by three points. But you have that feeling and confidence, okay, we can play with one of the NFC's best. Because if you look at the NFC right now, and it's Green Bay, Seattle, and I think Tampa Bay right at the top in terms of most talented teams and teams that are kind of rolling. Uh, Dallas just hasn't done enough for me to kind of put them in the situation. That NFC East is a mess. But if you build some confidence and, you know, say maybe it's a close game with the Buccaneers, you know, all right, we got this going into week six, you know, and then you beat Carolina, you beat Los Angeles, and you can start to get on a roll there. That'd make me feel a lot better. But, you know, the other option is it could just be a blowout on Thursday and it kind of snowballs and we could be looking at a Bears team that sits at, you know, three and four as they were last season. And you don't really have the luxury of having an easy schedule left like you did last season. Look at the second half of the schedule. It's a it's pretty tough. I mean, you have a road game at Tennessee in November. You have the Packers twice. You have the Vikings twice. Um, you have another game against Detroit that came down to the wire last time. Um, you have a Houston team. You don't know what that's going to be because they fired their coach. And you have a Jacksonville team on the road that, you know, they could put up some points. So this would definitely be a turning point for the Bears. And in my eyes, they got to play better than they did last week, especially on offense. It's so frustrating watching this team struggle on offense. And, you know, okay, it was Nick Foles' first game as a starter. Maybe he needs some time. Maybe he didn't get those valuable reps he would have gotten in August and July. But, man, they got to show me something on Thursday night. Otherwise, I'll lose a lot of hope. Well, and, again, I think, like you pointed out, man, this is this is a big game for the Bears. And not to say if they lose this game, the season's over – but it's just a situation where you go four and one and your, your odds are a lot better. You got a very winnable game the next week against Carolina. I think the other thing to kind of point out, and we'll obviously get into this preview 
uh, with our guests here in a little bit too, and we'll kind of talk about it a little bit more, is that the Bucks are really banged up right now. I mean, just to give you an idea, we're recording this on a Tuesday, and their injury report just came out. And, I mean, they got uh, – let me just give you an idea of who's out for them right now. They have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, uh, those are – and Justin Watson. Uh, all, all four of their top receivers are out. Leonard Fournette's out. Uh, LaShawn McCoy's out. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is out as well. And this is just practice, obviously, on a Tuesday. This is going to be a walkthrough for both teams. Now, obviously, we'll see what happens. This kind of the same thing happened with Atlanta where they had a lot of guys – that were out of practice for the majority of the week. And then some of them ended up playing, but again, I mean, Chris Godwin's probably not going to play. Uh, Leonard Fournette's probably not going to play. They just lost OJ Howard. Uh, I don't know in terms of, you know, McCoy and, and Scotty Miller and Chris Godwin, but it's one of those things where I think, you know, and people could say it, you know, they can say whatever they want. The bears are getting lucky with health. What it doesn't matter. The the reality of it is you're in a really weird season with COVID. You're in a really weird season because everything was so short and with the off seasons where there's a lot more injuries and the bears have to take advantage of that. I don't, you know, and it's one of those things for me and I don't know how you feel. And obviously we're four games in the season. It's one loss or still three and one. They're off to a good start. But at least in my opinion, I would rather see that like, if they're not going to make the playoffs, I'd rather see them go, five you know have five or six wins versus go eight and eight middle again because here's the reality like we know that the bears don't have their long-term solution at quarterback on their roster right now so what better way to take another swing than to have a higher draft pick to where you're not trading away future first rounds again and it's just again obviously jumping the gun it's one loss it doesn't matter but it's just the, the point being here is I think that going into week five on a short week against Tom Brady, yes, he's 5-0 and against the Bears. Yes, he's still a good quarterback. But you're asking a lot of a veteran quarterback at 43 years old to basically turn around on essentially five days rest and or four days rest, really, and come in and be ready to go again. And I think that the Bears have that kind of advantage to where they need every advantage they can. And we saw it in 2018 where they weren't playing great football, and then they figured it out and they turned it around. And, and I, maybe that won't happen this year. But I just I, – I think going into week five, this is – I wouldn't say it's a must-win game, but I think if you set yourself up at four and one, you're going to be in a lot better position. Because, I mean, let's be honest, and I know a lot of people aren't going to want to hear this, and I don't know if you watched the game last night – or any of the Packers games. Dude, the Packers are really good. Like, they may be, honestly, they may be the best team in the NFC, and they may be the best team in the NFL right now. Like, their defense looks pretty good. Their offense looks damn near unstoppable right now, and they're doing that without Devontae Adams the last few games. The Bears can't really afford to continue to lose ground within the division, but even if they do lose ground, I think the more realistic hope right now is one of those three wild card spots. There's an extra wild card spot this year. I think that's going to be more the reality. And again, unless Nick Foles somehow magically catches fire, this isn't a Super Bowl team because they don't have the quarterback to do it. But either way, you still want to see him get in the playoffs and see what happens. But I think a big step forward in, in determining whether or not that's going to be in the cards this year is going to be what happens this week. Because like you said, it could be a snowball effect if they do lose, if they do get blown out, if they look like they did on offense again against yet another really good defense again this week. This is a big test for the Bears. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is going to be the biggest test of the year. And for me, even not to say like, not to sound like a Debbie Downer, but even if you lose, I would still feel more confident if you lost like a close game and maybe it came down to the wire or the offense kind of showed me some things. 
We're going to break down that week four loss to the Colts and then get into our preview with the Buccaneers. We'll have a special guest, Casey Phillips. She joins us from Buccaneers.com. She does a great job covering that team. We'll get into all that right after this. Support for this podcast comes from Beautiful Home Services. For home improvement, trust the award-winning, locally owned and operated provider who has served the DMV area for over 15 years. Beautiful Home Services offers interior and exterior painting, bathroom and kitchen remodeling, basement finishing, carpentry, drywall, and other general remodeling services. We make home improvement dreams a beautiful reality. Learn more at BeautifulHomeServices.com. That's BeautifulHomeServices.com. Welcome back in here to the Bearport Podcast. Aaron, we talked a little bit about this to start with the show, but, you know, things went bad for the Bears on Sunday against Indianapolis. And, and you mentioned Indianapolis was among the top defenses in the NFL. The best defense the Bears have faced so far it was Nick Foles' first game as a starter. But, man, that offense looked rough, and, and they went away from the run again, only 28 rushing yards. I believe they had, like, 15 or uh, 14 total carries, two by the quarterback, one by a wide receiver in Darnell Mooney. They just really struggle on offense to move the football. And waiting for them here in week five is a, is a better Buccaneers defense. Um, one that I think is a lot more talented than the Colts. No disrespect to the Colts, but it was just, dis- you know, not encouraging to see the, the performance from the offense and how bad they were. And now it kind of has my, you know, mind wondering, is it maybe not the quarterbacks? Is it a little more on Nagy? Uh, I think we'll find that out as the season goes on because if this thing starts to go south and the offense struggles, I think we have our answer that Nagy does deserve a lot more criticism. But what I saw on Sunday was just a complete mess uh, overall by this offense. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that there's a big there's a big difference when you know being critical of Matt Nagy. I think he's a good head coach, and I think you feel the same. And I think a lot of people feel the same that he is a good coach. But I, I do think that obviously we're going to have to see how things play out. But how much this team continues to revert? And this is pointed out to me on Twitter by a few different people today. Uh, and, you know, it's a fair criticism. Everything within this offense has changed except for one thing, and that's the play caller. They've switched coaches. They've switched offensive coordinators. They've switched offensive line coach. They've switched, you know, different personnel at quarterback. They've switched at, you know, done different things at receiver, running back. And what it's really coming down to here is maybe Matt Nagy is just not a good play caller. Maybe the, the, we know that the offense is good. We, it's an Andy Reid offense. We know the offense is good. We've seen the offense run multiple different ways when you're talking about Kansas City and Philadelphia. We know the offense works. That's not the issue. Maybe the personnel isn't quite up to snuff. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's kind of getting to one of those parts where, you know, I don't think anybody was expecting an offense where it was going to be, you know, top 10 in the league. I mean, I honestly didn't even think it was going to be league average. I thought top 20 and they would be in decent shape. And I still think their defense is pretty good. I don't think their defense is, is close to the same as what it was in 2018, but I do think it can be better than 2019, if that makes any sense. But again, a lot of this comes down to, reverting back to old habits that have failed before. And I think when you look at it, one of the big things to me is the run scheme. And at the, in week one, they went with a lot of outside zone and it worked. And all of a sudden over these last few weeks, they've reverted right back to inside zone, predictable runs using the wrong personnel and predictable situations that quarter L Patterson run on third and one made absolutely zero sense, you know, and it's, it's situations like that where, okay, maybe Tariq Cohen being out does hurt a little bit, but let's be honest here. I mean, in the two games that Tariq Cohen 
was, you know, with the team before he went down, uh, you know, in terms of after he got extended, he still didn't have a huge role in the offense. So it's a situation where, you know, obviously I think the quarterback play has something to do with it because again, and this is something that I, I'm going to continue to repeat because I feel like people need to hear it just because Nick Foles doesn't work in this offense or just because Nick Foles isn't good at quarterback doesn't mean that Trubisky still is not the answer. I think that people have to be able to separate the two. Trubisky has had multiple opportunities over three plus years to prove that he's a starting quarterback for this team. They use a second overall pick on him. It didn't work. If Nick Foles sucks, Nick Foles sucks. And obviously at that point, we have to look as Bears fans and look at Ryan Pace as an evaluator and say, okay, You've had multiple swings at the quarterback position. I know everybody's got a different take on the Mike Glennon thing. The reality of it is they still paid him, what was it, $18 million guaranteed, and they still went out and they spent money on him to at least be a stopgap quarterback, and he was awful. Obviously, the whole thing with Trubisky, then you look at the whole thing with Foles. He's had three swings at the quarterback position. If Nick Foles doesn't work out or even become a bridge quarterback that you can go into 2021 with with a developing quarterback in the draft behind him you have failed once again especially after you gave up a fourth round pick and 20 million dollars guaranteed on a guy that basically you know the Jaguars spent a big amount of money on and then gave up gave up on him for Gardner Minshew I mean that's just the reality of the situation but again I think we have to let things play out and I, I think we have to let things play out and give this a little bit more benefit of the doubt. Not a lot. Now, I'm not saying give it the rest of the season because I don't think that's realistic at all. But I do think we need to see a few more games play out to see it. Because, I mean, even when you go back and you look at Nick Foles when he was with the Eagles, there was still some up and down product. And maybe they just ran into a really good defense at a really bad time. The Colts are playing really good football. I mean, after that loss of the Jaguars, they have absolutely dominated every single team they played. Granted, two of those – Two of those teams outside of the Bears were both pretty dang bad teams. Not the point, though. So, obviously, we can't judge things off of one week. But if these issues continue to persist, uh, it's, an, it's, it's something that obviously needs to be addressed. And, again, I think Matt Nagy is a good head coach. But I don't think, you know, obviously, if things continue to trend in the way that they're trending, then he's obviously not a good offensive play call. And at that point, I think Ryan Pace has to say, okay, here's the thing. We really like you as a head coach. We want to use this offense, but we need somebody else calling the plays. Is Matt Nagy going to be able to handle, you know, handing over the play calling duties? And if not, then obviously you got a bigger issue on your hands. But again, it's one game that they really crashed and burned. But obviously there's been concerning traits in every game, which is why this isn't quite as much of a sample size, just because if you go back and you look at week one, they didn't start scoring points until the fourth quarter. If you go back and you look at week two, they scored 17 points in the first half and then didn't score any points in the second half and almost lost the game to a terrible New York Giants team. And then you look at last week, again, another terrible Atlanta Falcons team with a terrible defense. Granted, they are very banged up, but a terrible defense. And once again, the Bears couldn't consistently score on offense until they made the quarterback change and they got into the fourth quarter. And then obviously against the Colts, they simply couldn't score at all. They had three points until the remain, you know, the less than two minutes left to go in the game and essentially a garbage time touchdown. There's issues here. And now we need to see if Matt Nagy can make the proper adjustments because we've seen that he can make proper adjustments. The issue is, is that once those adjustments stop working or whatever it may be, or they have a bad game, he continues to revert back to old ways that, that fail. And that's what we need to see moving forward. And the same thing with Foles. Obviously, I, you know, he had a little bit of an up and down game when he came in week three. He finished really well. He threw three touchdown passes. An argument could have been made for at least four. 
But then this week he throws for one touchdown pass. I'm not going to credit him for that interception because simply put, Anthony Miller should have made that play. But he had a lot, and I mean a lot of bad throws, and he just didn't have a good game overall. So, again, this is a big week coming up for the Bears. I don't really know how else to put it. They're playing a really good team. You need to beat good teams to be able to get in the playoffs. Uh, this is this is a chance to be able to prove themselves on their first national stage of the year on Thursday night. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, no one really expected Foles to come out and, you know, be a guy that's going to throw for, you know, 350, 400, take him to the Super Bowl, you know, an explosive offense. But we did think that, you know, the offense would work a lot smoother with him in. I mean – you know, we saw in that Falcons game where he came in and threw the three touchdowns. It just felt like the offense flowed a lot better. And also the other thing to remember is myself and several others said throughout training camp that both Foles and Trubisky looked bad. And for whatever reason, every time we tweeted, there would be fans out there that would say, oh, no, that's not the case. They don't know what they're watching, things like that. And then when they declared a winner, everyone thought, oh, Trubisky was really good in camp. And then now it's, oh, Foles is really good in camp. Neither were really good in camp. Both of them really struggled. And I told you several times too, and I know you could vouch for me here, that was worst case scenario was that both of them stunk. And I think we might be facing that situation. Now, granted, I'm going to give Foles a couple more games here uh, to see how it goes. And I think, uh, you know, a little more preparation during the week would go a long way as he gets gets more snaps um, with the first team, you know, in practice with games. But, I mean, this could be just a terrible, terrible, um, excuse me, situation for the Bears. And – it could also be terrible in the way that, you know, Foles might be good enough to get them to eight and eight, nine and seven, and they miss the playoffs. And then they're stuck in that middle round of the first round where, you know, um, Trevor Lawrence won't be there. Uh, Justin Fields probably won't be there. And then Trey Lance might not be there. And you really want to trade up more capital to take a chance on another quarterback with Ryan Pace. I just, I don't really like where this is headed. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the bears make me eat my words and hope they get on a roll, but we're just looking at what could be, you know, the worst possible scenario. And I'll ask you this. In your eyes, if, if Nick Foles continues to struggle and the offense doesn't put up points and just looks really bland, is there any scenario for you that Mitchell Trubisky comes in and starts again without an injury? I, I don't think so. I, I, I think effectively what the Bears did was they put Trubisky on notice when they – you know, acquired Nick Foles and when they, you know, kind of dove into the quarterback market and kind of came up empty in my opinion. But then when you bench him halfway through a game in week three, you have signaled one that you've been waiting to make the move and two, that's it. So no, I don't think, I I mean, at this point in time, I mean, like I've said, here's the, here's the reality of the situation and why I think this is going to play a little bit of a part too is Trubisky's not on a contract for 2021, right? At least with Nick Foles, we know that he's on a contract because of how the guaranteed structure is. He's going to be there for at least 2021. He's there for this year and next year. Even if he's your, you know, higher paid back quarterback for next year, he's still there. With Trubisky, at this point, what are you going to do? What are you going to, you're going to give him a Marcus Mariota contract, a one year, what was a seven or $8 million deal for what? It doesn't, I don't think, I think the damage has been done. And here's the other thing too. And I think this is being overlooked. And this is not me trashing Trubisky at all, because I, I hope that he succeeds wherever he goes. It's not going to be with the Bears, but I hope he succeeds wherever he goes. Why would you use one of your two call-ups that you have on each player throughout the year on the practice squad to bring up Tyler Bray to be the voice for Foles on the sideline? Why can't Trubisky be that guy? Why didn't, why didn't 
uh, Trubisky need Bray, who he's worked with longer, to be that voice on the sideline before? Why did Nick Foles need that, but Trubisky didn't? You know what I mean? Like, it's, to me, it's one of those situations where the Bears have basically shown their hand multiple different times. They simply don't trust Trubisky. And, I mean, in some ways, at least to me, it's almost kind of like borderline disrespectful. Like, you spend a second, you know, second overall pick on the guy. Like, the guy's been your starting quarterback for the better part of three years now, but you don't trust him enough to be the voice on the sideline as your active backup quarterback that you need to call up your, you know, for the first start that he has, you need to call up your third string quarterback that has more experience in this offense. Like, I think there's a lot of different signs showing that barring injury, Trubisky's probably not going to see another starting snap this season. And I don't think the bears want him to. Yeah, I'm with you that I don't think the bears want him to. I, I just had this weird feeling that if, if Foles continues to struggle, they might have to go to him again. And I'm not advocating for that move. I just, I wouldn't officially rule it out yet. I, I don't know. Let's just hope Foles plays a lot better and this offense gets going. Uh, but like we said, man, it, it's not going to be easy. The Buccaneers are really good defense. They have a lot of playmakers. They can get to the quarterback. Their secondary is very good. They're very, very good at uh, stopping the run as well. So, I mean, that kind of leads us in here. We should probably get into our interview with um, Casey Phillips. She broke that all down and gave us some really good insight on the Buccaneers. She covers the Buccaneers for Buccaneers.com. Um, some really, as I mentioned, some really good insight about this week's matchup. And then um, after the interview, Aaron and I will come back to share our thoughts on the matchup and, and wrap things up. We'll be right back after this interview. Every day can bring changes, challenges, and opportunities that can also change your personal or business financial goals and priorities. As a true partner, Sandy Spring Bank can make it all a bit easier. Someone who really listens, understands, and then creates solutions in hard times and good times. We'll always strive to be your advocate today and every day. That's real banking for real life and real business. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real member FDIC. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is Buccaneers.com team reporter Casey Phillips. She's here to give us some insight on this big week five matchup between the Chicago Bears and the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers in primetime. Casey, thank you so much for joining Aaron and I. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. So, I mean, yeah, it's a huge matchup. Uh, both teams are three and one. The uh, Buccaneers lost week one to the Saints to start off 0-1, and, and the Bears just suffered their first loss, losing to Indianapolis Colts. So kind of tell us, where are the Buccaneers at right now? You know, I think they feel really good um, about the progress that they've made, especially offensively, that, you know, without the offseason, when you have a new quarterback, even if it is Tom Brady, it's probably going to take a little bit of time to build that chemistry, build that rapport with your guys. And I think they've already seen, um, you know, a lot of that. Because it's crazy to think about it. if there's been four games. Now, it's not a direct comparison in terms of the amount of reps, but you'd have four preseason games. And to just now feel like some of these guys are getting the amount of reps that they would have had, you know, otherwise. Um, but now, of course, unfortunately, the Bucks have been hit by that injury bug that the rest of the season had caught a little ahead of us, it seemed like. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who all is and is not available come Thursday night. And I think that's going to be a, a big part of how good or bad they feel about this matchup. Well, that was exactly actually what I was going to ask you, because at least looking at the injury report, and I know things are kind of a walk through this week. What's it kind of looking like? Obviously, we're recording this on a Tuesday just to kind of give people perspective. Uh, what's it kind of looking like in terms of especially the receivers? What, Mike Evans has an injury. It sounds like Chris Godwin is probably not going to play. O.J. Howard's out for the year. Scotty Miller. I mean, it, it seems like they're pretty banged up, especially on the offensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, this is where thankfully when we talked about how many weapons the Bucks had, we have, we felt like even if you had some injuries, you were still going to be good. And then now it's like took down almost all of them. Um, Tuesday at practice, uh, coach talked about how basically all four of our top wide receivers were held out. That you had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, and Justin Watson all missing practice on Tuesday. And like you said, OJ Howard's out. Uh, for the year. So I think that we're going to see more Cam Brait at tight end. Um, he's a guy that he got his first touchdown of the season this last Sunday. And he's a guy that's played a lot for the Bucks in, you know, recent years. And then this year just hadn't had his number called as often simply, I think, because of the fact that it, we just have an abundance of riches at that position. But now that OJ Howard's out, I think Cam Brait's going to be asked to step up a lot. And he's a great red zone weapon in particular. Um, he brings a really specific skill set there. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to fall a lot more on him and Gronk potentially. Uh, you might see our, our draft pick Tyler Johnson get in there a little bit at wide receiver. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who all is and is not available. Hopefully, you know, just cause they missed practice doesn't mean they're all going to be missing the game. That could be rough. Um, but yeah, I think you're going to have to see some guys whose names, you know, Bears fans might not be as familiar with stepping in there. And speaking of Gronk, um, I guess I'll just ask it plain and simple. Is he just there to be there? Uh, I've, I've, I really haven't seen much Bucks games. I've seen a couple. But it's like he's just not really impactful at all. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, or in terms of, you know, what we've seen in New England. And I know he had the year off and he came back to join Tom Brady. But, I mean, how has he looked? Is, is he really there just to block? No, I think he looks great. Um, I think, it, again, it depends on the game and the situation that – um, the coaches have talked about they're they're very specific to what is needing to be required of players at that moment that they're not going to force it just because he's Gronk um, and it depends very much on what the other team is doing game plan wise and, and who's available in that sense but no it is not because he is not capable of being that kind of threat anymore and you know, we did see a couple games ago that he did end up with six catches for 48 yards in one game. And it very much looked like the Gronk people are more familiar with. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes again, there, there's just an abundance of riches on that offensive side. There's only so many footballs to go around and he is a great blocker. So I think there, there have been a lot of times that's what he's been asked to do. He's been a great teammate doing whatever's asked, but especially now that OJ is out. And especially if a lot of those wide receivers are out, I, I think that you will potentially see more and more of Gronk. But again, you got to remember, He's new team, new playbook, you know, missed a lot of the offseason. There was just going to be some time where it took to get situated in this offense. And as much as he and Brady have chemistry in the past, they kind of had to, you know, reignite that a little bit in this offense. And I kind of want to switch it over to the defense side of the ball because as most Bears fans know by now, the Bears offense is terrible. Um, and looking at it, uh, especially last week against the Colts, it was rough. Uh, the Colts are the number one rated DVOA defense on, on football outsiders right now. And of course, you know, they have a short week and they go and they face a, a team in the Buccaneers who are number two. So I, I'm just kind of curious to get your perspective uh, looking at it, at least the numbers. I really haven't watched the Bucks a ton this year, but I see that they're top of the league in sacks. Uh, Antoine Winfield has been amazing. Uh, just kind of give me an overall breakdown, especially the secondary of what the Bears can expect uh, in the passing game. Yeah, this defense has been incredible. And I think that uh, they might have been a little offended that all offseason, all anybody heard about was the Buccaneers offense and everybody they were adding and all those weapons. They were like, excuse me, uh, we were the number one rush defense last year. Anybody remember us? And, you know, Bruce really talked about what a priority it was to bring back, especially the front seven of that incredible, you know, rush defense last year. And so really, I mean, that front seven lost almost nobody. We, Bo Allen left and he was a, a big part for sure. But otherwise, I mean, most of those guys returned. 
Um, and you had a really young secondary last year that we have drafted just a billion, you know, guys in the secondary in the last two or three years. So when Carlton Davis is your elder statesman back there and he's only been in the league for a few years, it, it reminds you that each year, I mean, the amount of experience those guys get just quadruples, triples, all of that. And, and we've seen the growth. I mean, it was like a light bulb went off towards the end of the season last year with guys like Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting, where they really learned how to watch film, how to prepare. And they started playing really, really well. Carlton Davis is emerging as a guy that you can put on every single top wide receiver in the league and he can, and he can bring it. He can do what you need him to do. Um, and then, yeah, Antoine Winfield Jr. has just been a freak of nature. Like I, that kid is incredible. He's done everything. He, cause it's not just that he's good in coverage. It's not just that he's good at rushing the pass. I mean, he's, they've been bringing him on DB blitzes. They've, he's got a stat in every single category except for an interception. And I feel like he's just right there. And uh, Coach Arians has said that he and Tristan Wirfs are two top rookies that we drafted this year are the most mature rookies he's ever coached. And that's, I mean, that's a heck of a statement right there. So yeah, this defense, you got Devin White in his second year ready, you know, to take that leap, who's already earned the captain's spot and is a leader of this team. You still have Vita Vea and Ndamukong Sue, which leaves you zero running room up the middle. Um, Shaq Barrett, you got your sack champion from last year. I mean, they, they didn't lose these guys that, that made such an impact and everyone just got a little bit more experience back there in the secondary. So it's, it's an impressive defense. So how the heck do the Bears offense kind of attack this defense? Oh, you don't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, when I'm the team reporter, that's what I have to say, right? right, right. Um, in all honesty, though, it's funny because as, as much as I am a homer, um, you know, and I do work for the team, I have actually said this to our coaches, to our players, that I'm glad I'm not an opposing defensive coordinator for th that side. And I'm glad I'm not an opposing offensive coordinator. Like both sides, you're just like, man, where's the weakness? Like, I don't, I don't see it. And I still feel that way. Um, Vita Vea has taken another step and Sue is still Sue. So they're, they're going to plug up that middle and you know that JPP and Shaq are going to be coming around the edges on you. And that secondary has looked really, really solid. Um, so, and, and Levante and Devin can cover completely sideline to sideline. They can blitz on you. Um, I, I just don't know what to tell you in terms of a place to, to attack there. And it's, it's been kind of fun to watch that they've kind of stolen the show some games from the offense. So if Leonard Fournette is out on Thursday, and it's kind of looking like him and Chris Godwin might be at least from reports coming from, I think it was NFL Network, what can Bears fans expect to see from the Tampa Bay running game? Because obviously all the focus is on the pass game, all the focus is on Tom Brady. What about the running game? Obviously, you've got Ronald Jones. You've got multiple guys back there. But, I mean, who, who's going to be the lead back, and what can we expect to see? Yeah, Ronald Jones is definitely the lead back. And even when Fournette, you know, was healthy and playing, Coach Arians had emphasized, no, Rojo is still our starter. Um, he viewed it as using those guys just in different situations. He liked where Rojo could come out and pop you in the mouth right at the beginning. And then Fournette was coming in later in the game, fresh legs, giving you some of those big, you know, chunk yardage plays when you were needing to run the clock down. Um, so yeah, Rojo is absolutely still your starter. We saw a lot of him last week. I mean, the first, I think four plays in a row all went to him. Um, Brady was thrown to him out of the backfield a fair amount, which we know Brady loves getting his running backs involved in that. Um, and then we saw Keyshawn Vaughn, our third round draft pick, who I'm going to be really, really interested to see him a little bit more moving forward just because he was really highly touted, you know, as that draft pick, they felt like they got him at a great spot, but then he was on the COVID list to start the season and as if they hadn't already missed so much time as rookies, then he had to miss the beginning there, you know, and 
I, I feel like now he's finally at that place where he's, he's catching up from all that lost time. He got his first touchdown last week on a reception. Um, he just, he looks like a really solid runner. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of him as well, but yeah, it'll be, it'll probably be the Rojo show if, if Fournette is not available. What do you expect to see from Tristan Wirfs on Thursday? I, um, you know, look at the Chargers game, Joey Bosa had some high praise um, for him, said he's, he's a really good player and he's going to be a great player. Now he's got Cleo Mack, another, uh, you know, dominant pass rusher, but it looks like Wirfs held his own, no sacks given up. What do you expect to see in this matchup from him? Yeah, I mean, Tristan Wirfs did not get to ease into this thing. You know, he had Cam Jordan his first game, and now he's already had Joey Bosa, and he's going to have Khalil Mack. It's like, all right, rookie, let's go. Let's see what you got. And all of his teammates have described him as the real deal. That seems to be the phrase they keep using. And I think it was incredibly helpful for him to to get to go against Shaq and Jason Pierre-Paul all camp, that if you're going to miss a lot of reps, those guys will get you ready quickly. And I know they were working with him a lot. They were trying to talk to him in reps and explain what they were doing and, and help him out. And yeah, I mean, Tristan is, he's so humble. He's so nice. He's one of those guys that will pancake block you and then help you up with a smile, you know? And so he's, um, you know, a gentle giant off the field, but man, yeah, he is a physical specimen. Everyone I'm sure has probably seen that viral video of him jumping out of the pool, which is insane at any size, much less when you're over 300 pounds. Um, And he's just been a freak athlete forever. He told me a story recently about when he was in high school, he was throwing discus And he threw it over the entire practice field and over a fence onto a tennis court. Yikes. (laughs) And like basically almost killed a tennis player with a discus. And like just stuff like that. You just hear these stories. He's become like this Paul Bunyan figure where it's like they're just every story becomes believable now. You know, if you told me he'd like lifted a building off somebody, I'd believe you at this point. Um, So yeah, I mean, he's physically, we knew he was everything you would need. Um, in a tackle and now it seems like mentally he was able to get there in a really weird off seasons I everybody just has incredible praise for him I think you just gave Bears fans some PTSD talking about jumping out of a pool uh, I know Zach knows what I'm talking about drawing Gilbert a few years back yeah. oh man that was rough but man you've been awesome uh, I don't have any other questions I don't know if Zach does but uh really really uh, appreciate yeah. the time yeah awesome. usually what we do is uh we get a score prediction and x factor from our guests so if you kind of just want to go with that to close it out Oh boy. Uh, man. All right. Score prediction. I'm going to go with, let's say 28, 17 Buccaneers. Man, you're giving the bears offense a little yeah. bit too much. Credit <laughs> you know, there. I, I wanted to be nice to you guys. I'm on your podcast. You know, I mean, really like <laughs> what I want to say is 28, nothing, or, you know, even 50 something and nothing like that's what I want to say, but <laughs> you know, and Hey, you know what? Nick Foles has, has done some damage you know, in the past, like we, we have, we've had a joke that there have been a few backup quarterbacks in the past that have had the Bucks numbers. So I, I try to never completely underestimate anybody. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. And uh, X factor, I think is, I mean, I guess for us, it's just going to be who's, who's healthy. You know, I, I, I think that's going to be a big part of it is can, you're going to have, you're, you're going to have guys having to step up in bigger roles at wide receiver and probably, you know, potentially running back. Can those guys, you know, come close to making the impact that those starters can got it uh casey where can everyone follow you on twitter at at casey reporting so uh yep that's my instagram and my twitter handle so yeah thank you guys for having me i appreciate it yeah no problem thank you for joining us and then you can uh, everyone can read your work on buccaneers.com right exactly yep perfect thank you so much for joining us again yeah thanks guys the old west is an iconic period of american history i'm chris wimmer Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, 
Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And welcome back in here. That was our interview with Casey Phillips of Buccaneers.com. Some good insight there on on, uh, the Bears' next opponent, a primetime showdown with Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday. Aaron, when I look at this matchup, I am worried about this defense. I think they're a lot better than the Colts defense. And I think the Bears offense could have some problems moving the football. Um, You know, and if this turns into a shootout, the Buccaneers are averaging 30 points per game. The Bears are at like 17 going into this game. If it turns into a shootout, the Bears could be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that obviously, again, like we talked about with the injuries, I think a lot of it's going to depend on at least offensively for the Buccaneers who they even have available. I mean, Tom Brady is not the same quarterback that he was three or four years ago in Tampa or in, in new England. And, you know, it's just going to be a situation where, I mean, Tampa Bay hasn't played great football by any means. I think when you look at them on paper in terms of the matchup, I do think that they match up worse for the bears and the Colts did, because I think at least with the Colts, you can make the argument that going into week four, they only had six offensive touchdowns as a whole. I mean, obviously the, the Tampa Bay, offense is has more firepower and again we'll have to see what happens with the health situation but I think when you look at the defense they got a lot of playmakers on the defense side of the ball and you know it's going to be a situation where the Bears are going to have to start hot man I, I don't know what you know short straw that they drew or what kind of luck that they're having even with the coin toss and stuff like that but I, it sounds weird, but I feel like if the Bears could just maybe win a coin toss and defer to the second half and maybe have the defense set the tone, which is what has helped them out in the past so much, you know, getting that defensive stop and then maybe getting an offensive drive where you can go down the field and get some points is going to be big because I think it's almost deflating. And we've seen it the last few weeks where the Bears offense comes out and goes three and out or, you know, they get one first down and then, you know, they, they punt the ball and then the opposing offense, and this happened in Atlanta too, the opposing offense goes down the, down the field and scores a touchdown right out of the gate. And for a normal team, for a normal team, and keep in mind, I was at the Cowboys and Browns game on, on Sunday. Like I watched two really damn good offenses go after it. And for a normal team, a seven point difference isn't much at all. But for the Bears, with the way that they're playing offensively right now, especially facing a Buccaneers defense that not only gets after the quarterback with regularity, but is also number one in rush defense right now, that poses a huge threat for the Bears. And that's something that the Bears are going to need to get off to a, t- a, you know, a good start. Or else, again, kind of going back to the whole snowball effect, things could get ugly in a hurry. And you don't want to see the Bears – and that's kind of the thing. This is the thing I said on Twitter on Sunday. You don't want to see the Bears get down multiple scores late in the game to a good team. It's one thing when you're facing basically, I mean, the Bears right now have faced teams that don't have any more than one win outside of the Colts. And, you know, they came back and, you know, they came back in two of those three games and they barely held on in the, in the Giants game. But then against the Colts, you saw that they just didn't have the firepower. They didn't have the magic to be able to come back and win that game. And I think it's going to be something very similar with a team like the Buccaneers. You cannot afford to get down, and you definitely cannot afford to get down more than one score. Uh, but I do think that the Bears somehow, some way, need to set the tone defensively, and they need an early score, and they need to jump up early. Yeah, that's a good point because the Bears have had the ball on offense first, and they, and they haven't been able to set the tone in those games. And, 
you know, I just – for me, getting to a track meet like that, it would just be worst case scenario. I think the Bears defense, you know, they I see sometimes on Twitter, you know, people complaining, oh, this and that about the Bears defense. Holding a team at 19 points in this NFL, this, this generation of the NFL, should win you some games. I mean, the Bears offense just has to show up. We're, we sit here year after year after year. We watch his offense put up, you know, 17 and 20, and sometimes they'll put up 27. But it's like they're never in the 30s consistently, and they just have not adapted to this new style of NFL where you really don't want to rely on your defense as much, and you need an offense that can score. Now, look at Tampa Bay, and they're more of a balanced team. They have a defense that's going to shut you down and an offense that can score. They are what we need the Bears to be, essentially. But, you know, the difference is they have two really damn good wide receivers and a Hall of Fame quarterback, and they have a defense full of talent. I think the Bears' defense is very talented, and I think they're going to show up. And I think holding Tampa Bay to, you know, even 20, 21 points on Thursday would be a win for that defense. It's just can the offense score. Right now, you know, analyzing this matchup and, and reading and looking at it, I don't think they can. I, I'm just not very confident. So I'm more, you know, in, in the, in the um, mindset of just play well, don't get blown out, make it a game, stay in it, if you lose, it's not the end of the world because you know you can play with one of the better teams. But if they go out there and get their doors blown off, it's just – it will just be so, you know, just disencouraging for me. Well, yeah, and, and again, I mean, a lot of this comes down to the fact that the Bears have been the much healthier team. And every single game that they play this season, it will not change in week five. So, I mean, it, it's just, it, again, the the difference in – percentages when you look at the odds based on you know what has happened since 1990 in terms of the playoffs the Bears getting off a 4-1 start is absolutely crucial for them because all of a sudden here's the thing you get off a 4-1 start and you beat Carolina all of a sudden you're 5-1 I mean you're in you're in even better shape than you were going into you know 2018 at that same stretch and I mean, the Bears have some winnable games on the stretch, like you pointed out. I mean, it, it's not that the schedule isn't going to be easy, but I mean, Houston's obviously not what they look like they were going to be. They're zero and four right now, and they arguably one of the worst teams in the league. Minnesota is not good at all. The only team that they beat is Houston, which again, arguably one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, Detroit consistently blows double-digit leads in the first half to teams. I mean, they're not a good team either. And that's five of their, you know, that's, that's five of their remaining, you know, after you get through the Carolina game, that's five of your remaining 12 games right there or whatever it would be. Maybe no, I'm, uh, 10 games actually. So, I mean, that's half your schedule right there. So there's winnable games, but again, the difference between three and two and four and one, or in this case, let's just say four and two and, and, you know, five and one, is substantial and again I mean what does that do for your psyche if you go out and you lose this week if you lose big this week and then you go into a Carolina team who's playing much better football over the last few weeks and may have Christian McCaffrey back by then what does that do to your psyche all of a sudden you could end up being conceivably three and three after a three and oh start so yeah I mean this is this is just I mean there's just no way around it and this is a big game for the Bears even if they don't win if they keep it close not score close, not like we saw this last week where you look at the score and you're like, oh, 1911, you know, that seemed like a defensive shootout. They lost by one score, not a big deal. We all know the reality of that game was the Bears basically didn't stand a chance once they were out of the field. 
Uh, we need to see, you know, at worst case, we need to see a close competitive game where the Bears have a shot to win it at the end or whatever it may be versus a close score. But realistically, more realistically, I think the Bears need to win this game. I think it is a winnable game. I don't think it's a good matchup for them. But this is a game that the defense should be able to keep them in. And if the offense can click, uh, you know, they can, they can win the game. I mean, they don't need to score a ton of points to win games. They still have a good defense. But, again, this is, this is a big – this is a big game for them looking down the road and seeing what they have to face. Again, four and one is much different than three and two, not just, you know, just based on looks, but just in terms of overall playoff odds and what, you know, what we've seen over the last 30 years. This is, this is big. Yeah, I'm right with you. You got to get a win here in this week. Um, Aaron, let's go with our predictions and X factor, kind of wrap things up. Um, I'll go first. I think, um, I think it's been another loss for the Bears. I think it's going to be too straight. I just can't see them scoring more points than the Buccaneers. I hope I'm wrong here. Uh, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay 30, Chicago 22. Um, I think the Bears are going to get another garbage town touchdown late and kind of keep them in the game, maybe give them a chance for an onside kick. But other than that, I mean, I really see the X factor is going to be Nick Foles in this offense. Can you move the football? Can you get off to a better start? You're facing a really good defense. I want to see drives get into the end zone and be good on third downs. I mean, the Bears have been horrific on third downs. 34% this year, 19 of 56. They've been under 30% in three of their four games. Um, 18%, 29, and 29. We see that are 56% against the Giants. They got to be better on third downs. They got to put the ball in the end zone. I think the Bears are going to lose this one, but I think they'll rebound the next week. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a similar uh, feel. Uh, I, I, I don't. I mean, like I said, can, can the Bears win this game? Absolutely. It's the NFL. Um, but I just – I don't think they're going to. I, I just – I don't know. That's that's my gut feeling. I'm going to go 24-13. Uh, I don't think the Bears' offense is going to do much of anything. I think ultimately uh, the, you know, Tampa Bay's offense is better than the Colts last week. And, and you know, it's just – I don't know. I, I, I want to be proven wrong. And maybe this is just too much week-to-week for me in terms of reactions. But – I just, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling about the game. I think the X factor for me is going to be winning in the trenches. That's something that they just have not done consistently this season. And you go back and you look at the first few weeks of the season where you could at least make an argument that they were winning one side or the other. They got dominated. And I mean, absolutely dominated, blown off the ball on both sides uh, of the line when you look at last week. And again, a very similarly built team when you're looking at the trenches and you're looking at the, the, the Buccaneers offensive line versus the Bears front seven. That's going to be a big battle, um, stopping the run game with uh, Ronald Jones and, and whoever else they decide to throw back there in the backfield. And then obviously, uh, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, how are you going to be able to stop a team from taking down Nick Foles, for one, that has 14 sacks on the season through four games? And two, how are you going to be able to run the ball against a team that is ranked number one in rush defense right now that's giving up less than 70 yards per, you know, per game in the, in the rushing category? I mean, that's – again, it's, the NFL is all about matchups, and that's, that's a situation where I think the Bears have got to be much more strong than they were in week four if they want a chance in this game. Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on the BearReport.com. Perfect. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. You can read my work on the Bear Report, and we'll get you caught up with everything week five and preview week six next week uh, when we return. Until then, everyone stay safe.